Happy Valentine's Day. Hope you got lucky tonight. This is the world according to Jen and Carolyn. Coming at you live. Uh, well, I won't be live. I, I like just like saying, we'll do it live. Fuck it. Like like Bill O'Reilly, if you haven't seen that rant. In fact, I, I feel almost a responsibility to post that rant because it's insane. Anyway, I digress. We are live in the sense that we're here. We are alive and live. Um, and so we are here today. We're doing our second emergency pod. Mm. And this one is focused on a documentary called American Nightmare, uh, which Carolyn... And I both watched, and I I think the the words that come to mind in watching this are angry, frustrated, and appalled. And it's a you know from a horrific home invasion or multiple home invasions yeah. rather to kidnapping and sexual assault. The the story, the documentary, really takes you on an almost unbelievable journey. Oh, yes, yeah, and I mean it was so unbelievable that the police decided not to believe this poor woman who had gone through this incredible, terrible ordeal. So, but and that's where the rubber meets the road with this. What happens when the unthinkable happens to you? It actually occurs in the police who are sworn to protect the public not only dismiss your story but they claim that you made the whole thing up and they're going to fucking prosecute you yeah i mean i think that's the you know at first when i you really do get taken on a journey so to speak because when you're watching it you're kind of you know you and i've watched enough of these things in our in our time where i feel like i can be like oh the husband did it oh it was the boyfriend or it was this person and you really Kind of at first you don't believe it because it's so absurd. They but set it up that way, right? They I they think wanted so. to sound almost unbelievable because the story in and of itself it's is pretty insane. unbelievable. Yeah. But then there's just tenets of as an expert in police <laughs> detectiveness, that thanks to all my law and order uh Thank you, Jerry. We're, we're armchair detectives, bitch. <laughs> Thanks to podcasts and yeah, yeah, Law and Order, SVU, and I, shit. I feel like I kind of know what sort of the bare minimum, and yes. they just missed the mark. They and really you just, did. You just find yourself feeling so yep. hopeless and angry yeah. as as a victim. Yes, I mean, I haven't felt this overwhelming feeling of disgust and anger that's that's like this visceral yeah. since I watched the Jared from Subway documentary. I couldn't even watch that. Oh, I was shocked you did that. I was sobbing the entire time. I mean, if... I can't know, deal with... Just an aside, this is not what this is about. Yeah. No, no, no. Jared from Subway ended up being a prolific child molester. Yeah, he's a special kind of piece of shit. Oof, he needs to burn in hell. Yeah. Anyway, but I remember just this feeling, yeah. like this, this feeling I couldn't control. Mm-hmm. This like physical revulsion Mm -hmm. like almost on the cusp of vomiting i was so disgusted by what i was watching that's where where this went for me and so you know we're gonna give you a brief synopsis because we've (laughs) talked a lot about our feelings (laughs) fuck your feelings um your feelings are important you know this is a netflix documentary called american nightmare which revisits the denise huskins gone girl kidnapping and the botched vallejo police response the abduction of huskins from her california home in 2015 
scene is resurfacing in this docuseries that was dubbed a real life Gone Girl kidnapping. So I've actually never seen Gone Girl. <laughs> Have you? I did. I watched it when it first came out. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting uh, look at what what an angry woman is is willing to do when her husband cheats on her. All right, I get that. Spoiler alert. Yeah, but, you know, again, it's the fact that you know, and they say this in the in the the documentary. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a great thrilling movie, right? Based on and based on the tragedy of what happened to Denise, it appears that the cop seemed to think that life was imitating art and even quoted it, right? Saying, "Oh, this is the real life Gone Girl." Yep. No, that's a movie, right? It's a movie. You're not listening to the person in front of no. you telling you all the terrible things that happened to them and being able to corroborate it with their boyfriend. Like, come on, dude. And just from a trauma perspective, I actually went back and watched it twice. Oh, you did? Because okay. I wanted to know. Because at first I thought I was like, husband or the boyfriend did it. Yeah. Piece of shit. Well, it's usually, statistically speaking, statistically, it's usually the partner. And the crime was so far-fetched in how it played out yeah. that it really did seem kind of like a crime of passion that got messy and yeah. then he had a backtrack. Right. So, but when I watched it again and I looked at his reaction, it's a trauma response. Totally. Totally. And this this documentary is so rooted for me mm. in this erroneous expectation that I think law enforcement has in regard to how someone yes. in this situation should be acting. Denise, very intelligent. And I mm-hmm. feel like I would probably be where she's at. Extremely matter of fact, mm-hmm. not emotional, recanting what happened to her. And mm-hmm. that was like, oh, she's she's too chill about yeah. this. Well, but again, as we go through this, it tracks with what happened to her. Yes. Because she felt completely, I mean, what a gaslighted rapist yeah yeah <laughs> it's unbelievable and anyway, it's crazy so. it really is so you know there's a couple of major issues that came up for us and and the first wasn't super touched upon in the documentary you know we read this great article and a few other subsequent articles um, but the one i really used was one from the atavist because it was an in-depth extensive mm-hmm. article that really delved really deeply into the kidnapper's mental health and the struggles which seem to either originate in or be associated with serving in iraq um you know, he says he has PS- PTSD. I don't know. He never actually saw combat. I'm not mm. sure. But the guy's name that did this is Matthew Muller. So they don't talk extensively about his mental health. And I, I, I don't want to talk about his mental health in order to give him a pass. Right. I just always seek to understand potentially why somebody did what they did. Absolutely. And you know? people usually, what is it, the road to hell is paved with really yeah. good intentions. Yes. I think even the people who are doing the crimes they're doing in their mind, yep. it feels... Like, it has to happen. Yeah. So, understanding that is absolutely what our legal system needs to start factoring yeah. in. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, you know, in addition to uh, the mental health stuff, also the police response, which we'll get more into first. But first, I want to talk about Mueller's kind of mental health background and what could have potentially been influencing him here. And this is a short one, guys. Every time we do an emergency podcast, we aim for about 20 to 30 minutes. So we're going to take you on a really (laughs) quick fucking journey. So, uh, you know, we... So Mueller was raised in a, a pretty typical middle class environment with with supportive parents. Monty a, and Joyce. Monty and Joyce. Yes, they went through a divorce when he was in high school. But, you know, a lot well, because of because the father had an affair. He did and have an affair. Divorced mom and moved in. Yep. With 
said woman. Yes. Which is Every, not a crime. It's not. And it's, most people who endure that as children and or young adults do not end up being, uh, you know, serial. But it does in. fuck with you. It does when fuck you with find you. that out in seventh grade yeah. or in, you know. Yeah. Now it's hard. It really is. And, you know, this guy actually went on to get his law degree from Harvard. And prior to college, he served in Iraq. Uh, not in any war in no. Iraq. He just happened to be stationed in Iraq. I want to make that very clear because he claimed that he had desert storm syndrome. Yes. Or is that what it's called? War. Gulf, Gulf War, War syndrome. Illness. Right. Which is associated yeah. with the first Gulf War and a particular type of gas I think they used, which mm-hmm. did have an impact on mm-hmm. our soldiers. Uh, don't think that's applicable here. But it's anyway. A nerve, a nerve gas. Called, a nerve gas. Uh, Sarin. 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 Yep. Very good, Jennifer. All of a sudden, my memory worked. Um, (laughs) Also, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so I've started drinking because it's basically a national holiday when your team is in the Super Bowl. So anyway, so I think there may have been some triggers associated with serving in the military, but he was also diagnosed in 2008 with bipolar disorder. And at Harvard, he was also diagnosed with major depression and mania, which we now is know as bipolar disorder. Why he, Cause they said he was honorably discharged. Do we know why? I think it was I never, I whatever his anything. symptoms were. And I, I'm not sure necessarily, okay. but it was an honorable discharge. And, you know, he started having really debilitating delusions and paranoia, mm-hmm. you know, and he retreated all alone ultimately to his family's cabin, which is where he was arrested. That's a great idea when you have mental illness. Yeah. Isolate you in a cabin. Yes. He had a dog. Good things, good things happen, right? Yeah, we all know Ted Kaczynski, right? That was uh, an isolating in a cabin story that went really well. So anyway, you know, his his family, what came across to me in the article, you didn't really get this from the documentary, was his family did actually seem genuinely, genuinely mm-hmm. concerned for his welfare, but were kind of at a loss when it came to care strategies. Uh, Carolyn, this mm-hmm. this is your department. What recourse do families have when an adult family member mm-hmm. is suffering from a debilitating mental illness? Well, uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, um, not to be confused with NAMBLA. And yeah, no NAMBLA. No Boo. NAMBLA. But, okay, so... I'm going to give you what would be ideal. Okay. And I'm and I think in this case it was absolutely possible because he is a privileged white male. Yes. He had resources. He had yep. again as as shitty as the VA can be, excuse me. Right. Um there are resources if oh, you're yeah. able to access them. Yes. So in an ideal setting, you would want what's called a case management team or yes. a care management team. And there's kind of six mm-hmm. things I think if we all had this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is to me, human rights. I want a can't care management I, team. Do, girl, I need a care <laughs> management team. We are each other's care management team. We really team. are. But ideally, you want uh, medical support, which means a primary care physician. Yeah. I would want the person working with a psychiatrist, uh-huh. especially a psycho a psychiatrist who has an, uh, a specialty in that developmental age group. Okay. So, you know, in other words, if I'm working with teenagers, I don't want a psychiatrist who only works with elderly totally. people. There's very different things. Yep. Um, and maybe a specialist with working with any chronic disease, which mm-hmm. said he had some chronic illnesses and things like that. Yeah. Um, the bigger thing is I would want social services. So uh-huh. working with a social worker, he, sh- you know, someone to help you get a job mm-hmm. and work, someone helping you with your finances, housing, social support, yeah. med management, which is huge. Yeah, it is. Um, And also long-term care planning, because you do have to factor in that if your parents are managing that, I would want someone who was going to be like a liaison who would be taking that over, whether it's a CPA or a financial planner. Yeah. Um, I'd also... So that's like bare minimum. Like everyone 
I believe deserves those things if they cannot get those things. Okay. On the other side of that, I would want them having some type of psychotherapy, some type of clinical support, crisis planning, someone who has a touch point on you. (laughs) Not, not literally, Um, but someone who's, you know, again, these are all professionals who, if they're all working together, Mm -hmm. ideally can be noting these things. I would also want this individual having some kind of somatic healing and wellness, Mm -hmm. someone working with them on their stress management, helping their nervous system. I'd want them to have access to good physical activity and nutrition because that supports healthy brain function. And then of course, some type of spirituality. So that would be what I would suggest to a family. And Mm -hmm. because we know this comes from substance abuse and mental health service administration, which is its own government agency and has some problems, but whatever. Uh, In 2020, they said one out of every five American adults has some type of mental illness in a given year. Mm. And across the population, one in 20 adults living is living with a serious mental health condition, such as schizophrenia and bipolar disorder or some type of long-term reoccurrent depression. So, you know, and again, when you, you know, when you have the more intersections you have, so when we look at trauma, which really is just stress and mm-hmm. adverse childhood experiences, any kind of genetics, um, in, uh, any drug-induced issues that have yeah. impacted your brain, um, just any, again, family history yeah. of how your brain and, again, nature nurtures. Which it sounds like there was mental illness it in sounds this like family. There was mental illness, which what family doesn't have? Sure. But again, that loads the gun, but it shouldn't... Yeah. In, pull the proverbial trigger. Yeah. Um, but anytime you have any intersections like that happening, it's going to make the likelihood higher. Yes. That if you are predisposed to some of these mental illnesses, you know, it's going to make that higher. But yeah. then his family would also have to have knowledge of, it seems like there was warning signs and symptoms. Yeah. And what are expected behaviors versus signs of mental illness? Yeah. And so here's the problem. Number one, even in privilege, all those different parts don't, all those interdisciplines don't always work cleanly together because no. of HIPAA, because yeah. of care coordination. That yeah. can be very challenging. Totally. The second issue is there's no, you can't look at this from a medical model because there's mm-hmm. no blood test or body scan yeah. like with other diseases. And also most people who do have a mental illness are not violent. Right. And so they couldn't have surmised, okay, he has bipolar disorder. Okay, yeah. he's having some delusions. Yeah. Oh, the next step. It's going to be, he's going to be peeping, being a peeping Tom and then ultimately raping people. See, and that's why I don't really think, I don't think he has bipolar. No. It just doesn't make any sense to me clinically. Again, just knowing what I do know. But, you know, it's problematic when we have this, you know, again, all these assumptions about someone and you really can't predict until you can. Yeah. So like you said, those kind of, in Mueller's case, there was symptoms yeah there sort of was a history that i would have gone okay he's not being able to hold these jobs he's not being able to function well he's isolating he's low the minute he started the peeping tom stuff to me uh uh criminal pathologically yes and through what i know about criminal psychology that's that's a red flag but if only people had known that it was him the cops never were able to determine that it was him and they never really cared because who cares it's just a peeping tom there's actually vigilante justice that went out and said this is really frightening and peeping toms do then that's that is a a, it's a gateway it's a gateway crime (laughs) to violent rape that arson yeah uh mistreatment of animals 
bedwetting and there's another one but those are the F- animals yeah the fbi like That's, says the behavioral analysts they're like profile. this is it yeah well, what's interesting about peeping toms too is that one i think actually tracks more than than assaults yeah with what he did because it's a very it's, i'm gonna look at you but i i can't be part of you yeah because i'm really lonely so yes. the, ice, the more isolated this guy became yeah that's when it became problematic so yeah, yeah. i don't really think it says he was diagnosed bipolar 2018 or 2008. 2008, sorry. Yeah. But the average onset is 25. Right, which makes sense that when he was stationed in Iraq, that's when he started developing these symptoms. I don't know if it was anything necessarily associated with serving Mm -hmm. because he didn't see combat. I think it was just the time that those symptoms start to kind of rear their ugly head. And maybe there was something about his service that triggered it and kicked it off. But But I never saw mania. And I don't count his... And I think that's what they're saying is that these episodes were really manic. Well, he got manic uh, at work. So I read about that. Um, Oh, okay. So he would be incredibly and 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 this is the thing too in our capitalist society when somebody is <laughs> is their output is so amplified yeah term. you're like oh this this is making partner killing it yeah. you know yeah but in in reality he would go through these phases and then he would all of a sudden he would have like these depressive episodes and in addition to that this is where the schizophrenia comes in he was delusional. He thought his office was tapped. He was looking for bugs. Like, you know, that is where, and it's, I feel for the family mm-hmm. because this is an autonomous adult. And as much as you want to say, no, fuck you, it's conservatorship time. No. Especially, this is a Harvard graduate with a law degree who is capable, at least on the surface, of caring for himself and caring for himself, at least as far mm-hmm. as our capitalist society is mm-hmm. concerned, very well. Mm-hmm. And then he was married for a time yeah. and his wife expressed concerns because he was having delusions. And, and so what do you do with someone like exactly. that? Exactly. I, I, I don't know. There's not, they when they haven't done anything criminal that you can prove. Yeah. And again, it's just the more, this is where I think collectively as a culture, we miss the mark because there's not yeah. enough touch points of people checking in on each yeah. other and making sure, you know, I don't know. I just, that to me stood out the most that yeah. just again, but it's like you said, he Flew under the radar because of because of his privilege. Totally, it's true, and it would be you know in in the article I read, the Atavist article, he would be doing really well, and he had a girlfriend after he and his wife separated, I think, and they moved in together, and everything was fine. But then it always, yeah, the the, patterns, the patterns would always reemerge, and and to me, and I I often take for granted how much you and I know about psychology, yeah. Because if we saw that stuff, we'd be like, oh, God, there's eventually it's going to drop. Why you love to be our friends? <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're going to we're going to analyze you. But no, I, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, the average person that doesn't have a background in psychology. No, they would have no idea. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, he gets better and then he falls off again. And it's like, well, this is going to keep happening if he truly has bipolar disorder, because yeah. that's the nature of this disease. Yeah. And you do have there can be hallucinations and paranoid ideation mm-hmm. with bipolar. Yeah. But I also think, again, this goes into my problem with the DSM. You're classifying things. You cannot know any of this until you break a brain apart. That's right. And, and everybody's like, different. Everyone's different. And mm-hmm. so until we can, can say you're always kind of wondering and playing with these diagnoses. Yeah. It's it's a hypothesis. Totally. It's science. It's it's a theory. Yeah. 
For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. So that's, that's the mental health aspect when it comes to the perpetrator, but the biggest issue, the absolute biggest issue for us really is the police misconduct, which actually resulted in Mueller being able to evade capture from, from being a peeping Tom and like actually breaking into a woman's house because he broke into a woman's house prior to abducting Denise and the cops, this was, this wasn't in Vallejo. It was in maybe Mountain View, if I remember correctly. These are all places that are very familiar to us as Bay Area natives. (laughs) Um, But broke in and she was asked, are you sure you didn't dream this? Yes. What the actual fuck? So I had wild dreams, but I never dreamed someone came into my house and tried to rape me. Yeah, exactly. So he was able to evade capture and commit more crimes, which actually included trying to abduct another young woman from her family's home, which was absolutely frightening. These poor people. So it's super disturbing to see how police almost immediately concluded that Denise had gone through what she had gone through was a hoax. And it wasn't just local cops. The FBI fucking dismissed this shit too. How horrific. I couldn't imagine to go through being abducted, raped multiple times, Mm -hmm. only to have cops call you a liar. You're the victim and say, guess what? You're going to be charged. And to have a a fucking press conference with a cop, a representative from the Vallejo Police Department coming out and saying, Denise Huskins made all this up. She's the problem. She cost us resources. This is a big fucking issue. That's awful. And what was the statement that the guy, uh, not mustard, but the other guy is like, burn that bitch. Yeah. Yep. It's so sad. Like, that's trauma informed that you're going to call even a criminal yeah burn that bitch well i also don't understand too when they're questioning her like when you're questioning a victim of an assault or something like this why is there not a trained psychiatrist or somebody with a psychology background sitting next to you helping you fucking through this well and the problem with that the first place she should have gone is the hospital Mm -hmm. she should have gotten care oh they delayed her from going to the hospital to even get a fucking rape kit done so the evidence had been degraded to an extent, but it was still clear that she had been, it looked like there were some lesions on her vagina yeah. and she had been forced to have sex. That was all completely and totally dismissed. Yep. And, and well, it's supposed to look more violent when you're raped. That's another thing. These rape myths, right? Yep. She didn't fight back. She, you know, it, there's no bruises. Like what the fuck, I man? Know, I know. I it's know. It's so disconcerting. It makes me angry. I have like a stone. to take that away bang bang niner gang has taken on a different meaning um but you know this happens way too often with victims of rape and sexual assault and this is from an article entitled if the police don't believe you they might prosecute you how officers turn victims of sexual assault into suspects so there was a woman who she worked in a restaurant i think she was assaulted by her boss she reported it to the police she was forced to give him oral sex They treated her like shit and they charged her with making a false statement. So this is the author. I found the author who wrote the article about this woman and then, you know, subsequently how this is very typical said, I found at least 230 cases in which alleged sexual assault victims were charged with a lying offense. And these cases represent only the proverbial tip of the iceberg. A 12 year old was charged with making up rape by a family member only to prove her innocence later when the same man raped her again. And she recorded the assault. I found college students interviewed without advocates or their parents buckling under psychological manipulation from detectives and backtracking their statements. 
Megan Rodindi, a 20-year-old University of Alabama student, accused a wealthy and connected businessman of rape in 2015 and quickly found herself under police suspicion. So I'm not going to go into all the examples here. There's but so many. There's there's way too many. This happens far too often. You Let wanna, me tell. Did you read Know My Name by Chanel Miller? It's not one that I read. It's phenomenal. I need to read it, but I also... 2019 mem- memoir of a woman who experienced sexual assault uh, at Stanford University. Oh, God. So I worked at Stanford, you guys, and I was there when the Brock Turner thing was going down. And I also... By, uh, by oh, she's the, she's she's the, the victim Brock of Brock Turner. Turner. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Or the survivor of Brock mm-hmm. Turner's bullshit, rather. Mm-hmm. I also, full disclosure, and I've meant to mention this in previous article or previous episodes, is that I did my thesis, yes. my master's thesis on sexual assault and race at college campuses and reframing it through a human rights lens because too often survivors victims call them what you will i prefer survivors get treated like absolute shit and i think with the brock turner stuff and 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 things like that that have gotten more publicity things are slightly starting to change but so often these these like Folks that are supposed to be responsible for protecting you are making their decisions predicated on rape myths yes. and false information. Yep. And 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 um, like oppressive mm-hmm. patriarchal mm-hmm. kind of bullshit. Yeah. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of how we feel about all this. Um, poor Denise. This had happened to her. I know. She had gone to the cops yep. about being assaulted when she was, I think, in college. Mm-hmm. Was it high school or college? That was the second, second time it time. happened to her. She had been raped previously, was not believed, and then it happened to her all over again. And she was talking about how all that got her through this horrific terror was knowledge that I can't wait to get to the cops. Yep. That will be when I, you know, that was sort of her thing. And it was like, then you go. And she was, I mean, talk, just her, her emotional whiplash. Oh, God. It's awful. I mean, even... Mueller as as I mean he's a big piece of shit and I'm not giving him any credit and this was crazy he was watching all of this and and reaching out to the detectives and saying don't re-traumatize her I promise you this happened here's the proof that I did it stop re-traumatizing this person I'm like oh my god her rapist is more like at least on paper more sensitive or like aware not interesting but from from a a psychopathology Mm -hmm. like he doesn't fit the mold Nothing about this crime yeah. fit. It was bizarre. Read the Atavist article, folks. I linked it in the, yeah. the, the show notes here. It's just fascinating that the trajectory of his career and, and who he was and how he was known as this, like, really nice guy, this upstanding guy. Sounds who, like, uh, what's his face? Who? Uh, our favorite, uh, um, not Brady. <laughs> Oh, Bundy? Bundy. Yeah, totally. What a great guy. Yeah. John Wayne Gacy. What a great guy. Right? Oh, he, my God. Run away if it's a white, white great guy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm most afraid of white males, let me tell you, well, based on my experience. And hallelujah for the female investigator. Was she from Oh, Dublin? yeah. I don't remember where she was from, but she's she, all, this does not seem right. She was the only one that had any goddamn sense in her head. It it's a case. woman, y'all. Women's intuition. It's a woman. And we'll Feminine give you with that. So... Please watch the documentary. I'm burping because I'm drinking high <laughs> Um Disgusting. Um, watch the documentary on Netflix. Feel free to write to us. Let us know what you think. But those are, this is, every once in a while, again, something is so egregious that comes along Thanks, that we have Netflix. to do an emergency. <laughs> yeah, Netflix keeps on giving with the trauma <laughs> bullshit. So anyway, y'all, we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoy this episode. Yay.